Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to serve all people right here in your space, on your campus, and for your purposes. Be with us now. Open our hearts to your teaching. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So one of the, uh, one of the pictures, you know, if you think about the uh, pictures that you have of your father, your mother, your grandpa, grandmother, one of the pictures that I have, one of the images that I have is of, of my father. And he, uh, this, is, this is the picture right here. You just take the uh, paper at different times in the week, especially Sunday morning. It's a usually heavier picture. I have the journal arrow here. This is our local paper. And he would just start reading the paper. And it's exciting. We have some interesting headlines. Residents, property code enforcement needs to be more neighborly. Please take note. It's a great article. Uh, if you look in here, what else do we have going on? Oh, we have a repeat champion and the cherry spitting competition in this county. If you want to know who that is, you got to pick up the paper uh, to look at it. Oh, looking back, a whole feature of things that have happened in this uh, town 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 60, 70 years ago. It's a great picture. Did you know the chicken barbecue is coming back? August 9, they even serve Sam's chicken. It's a great thing. If you've never done it before, you should definitely do it. And he would just, he'd sit there and read through the paper. Now, the great thing about a newspaper is uh, it's the feel of it. You know, just this activity of turning the pages. Newspaper has a distinct smell. You want to know what one of my favorite paper smells is? I know you do. Since you asked, I love the smell of a new Bible. Have you ever opened up a brand new Bible and smelled it? It just smells so, so good. Here's what you should do. Go to the ABC this week, stop in the Bible section, start opening up all their Bibles, and just start smelling it. it'll It'll be a great thing. But here we go, paper. I can catch up on the news. And then there's this interesting little device. It's called an iPad. Let's see. Uh, can, I, can I see the news in the iPad? I think I can. Let's go here. Let's see. News. I have an app. But earlier today, the app didn't work. But it's working today. Huh. Passengers. GOP to White House. China is weighing... Uh, let's see what's happening in technology news. Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Twitter announce a data transfer project. You know, you can learn a lot just by reading headlines. And then you quote headlines like you read the article. Five Apple Watch apps to simplify your workday. That's why I keep saying I need an Apple Watch. Instagram adds new activity status indicator. Did you know that? How many of you have an Instagram account? Yeah? Yeah. So this is another way to read the paper. I don't know. Does somebody want to tell me which is the right way? Is it the newspaper? Is it the iPad? Is it the classical way? The innovative way? Is there a right way to read the news. 
That leads me right into my question. You ready? I need your help. So take out your phone. If you have your phone, just take out your phone. There's going to be a number up on the screen, 312-725-6162. Take out your phone. Have you seen Jeopardy? Jeopardy, you read the answer to try to figure out what the question is. So I'm, we're going to do that in reverse. I'm going to tell you the question, and I want you to text me your answer. So let me make sure my phone is ready before you get ready to send that out. Uh, Google Voice. Yeah. It would be really funny if I gave you Pastor Dwight's cell phone number and suddenly he got all these text messages. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Here's the question. What is old? What does it mean to be old? If If you had to describe, if you had to define what it means to be old, how would you do it? So go ahead. Text your answer, 312-725-6162. Some people accidentally called me when I asked. <laughs> they, yeah, this is a good one. Me, I'm old. I have no idea who sent that, but apparently you're feeling old. Um, <laughs> you're getting old when you have to scroll a lot to get to your birth year on an online form. That's good. And that's for my friends Albert and Jasmine Heslop. If you're watching online, feel free to go ahead and, uh, and send that to us. Let's see, what else are we saying? To be old is to... All right, it's loading. Come on. To be old is to have experience. To be old is to be over 75. Uh, to be old is to keep repeating my swell, myself. Um... I want to get there, but no time soon. That's, uh, that's a good way. Old, um, let's see, what else here? You are old. You are old. Oh, man, that was a good one. You guys, when one stops dreaming, all right, you are old when you don't have any dreams or projects. It's a good one there. You are old when everything moves slow. Lee. These are great definitions. To, keep, to be old is to keep forgetting things, to be a certain physical age, but to also have experience. Here we go. When you lack what you lack in vigor, you make up for in wisdom. Oh, this is so many different definitions of old. To be wise and achy. (laughs) Old is completely relative depending on what you measure it by. That's a a very, very thoughtful way to think about old. So, here's what I want to know. Is God old? Huh? Is God is God old? It's it's kind of a It's an interesting question, right? Because it kind of reveals our definition of old, 
our true definition. You see, we're very mortal, right? We have a start date, we have an end date. We tend to measure old by our proximity either from the start date or close to whatever that end date is. Now, for someone who always has been and always will be, is God old? Because here's the other thing, is that if we think God is old and we want to be like God, what does that mean we want to be? Old. And I just, I just read a bunch of definitions of what we think is old, and I am just struggling to agree that God is those things. I, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is we don't really believe that God is, God is old. And if God is not old and we want to be like God, then we probably shouldn't be old either. Don't you think? So there's some behaviors, there's some ideas, there's some ways of thinking, uh, some ways of being that do, quite frankly, mean we act kind of old. But why should we? See, I think when, we, when we've talked about generations, oftentimes, and, and we... we t- Folks, I've been in, 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 in young adult ministry for over 15 years. I served seven years as a youth pastor. I've served on this campus for seven years. I've worked at the conference office as the uh, coordinated director for young adult ministries. And I'm telling you, it is, it is a, it's a difficult thing. Here's what's difficult. Is we, we want young people, we just don't really want young people. Right? That's the challenge. What is, so how do we keep ourselves young? And is it possible? Here's the thing. Is it possible to have an age that's numerically higher than others and still act young? I think it is. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis. Genesis. And this is one. This is a great story. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. You can open your Bible there or scroll your uh, phone or iPad there. Abraham is sitting under the trees. He sees three messengers, three visitors come his way that are angels. And they ask Abraham this question, where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Will I now have this joy? She laughed. She laughed. Now what's 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 kind of sad is that sometimes when I've been in an advocate position for younger generations and I'm suggesting some of the ideas that they have, you know what people do? They laugh. And I'm just trying to figure out what's funny. What's funny about this idea? 
What's funny about doing it this way? That's the difficult thing, is that whether we intellectually agree or disagree on what old is, is that sometimes we, we, we just function like we're old. And the idea of doing something young, whatever that may be, seems laughable to us. So Sarah laughs. She says, this is crazy. I'm well advanced in years. I am old. I'm well past my childbearing years. <laughs> then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So one year later, what do you suppose happened? Sarah. Sarah had a son. <laughs> and she was excited about her son. Unbelievable that when you are working out God's will and purpose in your life, it doesn't really matter how old you are. He's still eager to do young things through you. I mean, child, having a child, we just did a baby dedication. That's something for young people to do, isn't it? And yet you have God saying here, uh-uh, I'm not done with you. I have a will. I have a purpose. I have a promise to fulfill. And I don't care how old you are, even if you're a hundred years old, you will do this thing. You will have this child. And believe it or not, you may be a hundred, but new things are going to come out of you, actually come out of you. God is really fighting against this dominant narrative that being old means that new things can't happen. He's making it very clear. He's making it very clear that he wants to continue to do life-giving things through you, through me, regardless of how old we might be. Now, I asked you, is, is, is God old? My next question is, is the church old? Is the church old? I, I, I mean, I guess it depends how you're asking the question, right? Whether the church is old. The Adventist church was established about 155 years ago. And uh, that could seem kind of old, except uh, that even if you take the most conservative measure of how long human has been here, humans have been here 6,000 years, 150 years is just 2.5%, right? Is that really that old? Um, Pioneer's been here, what? We're going to be celebrating our 60th year anniversary next year, next February, in fact. Does that mean that we're old? I, it's kind of a question to ask. You know, what I, what I found is really interesting is when uh, I was doing my church history and policy class, this is several years, several, several years ago, <laughs> the first policy book that was written by the General Conference was written, I believe, 1923, 1926, first policy book, and it was only 69 pages long, 69 pages long. And 
there's a, there's a PowerPoint they get into all the reason why they even came up with this book. Now, at 69 pages long, the church had already been in existence 60-something years. Now, can you imagine a church operating and flourishing and growing without policy? Yes. <laughs> yes, I think, I think it can. Fast forward to today, 2017. Do you know how long the policy book is for the General Conference? Over 790 pages, and the book is bigger and the font is smaller. And that's not counting the other books that we have, the minister's handbook, the church manual. Add to that all the division operating policies, all the union operating policies, and you add all of the church, uh, local conference operating policies, plus whatever the local church has. Now, does that sound like a church that's going to move in a young way? Maybe in a very orderly way. We may get there eventually. But I have to begin to ask, what does it mean for the church to be old, for the church to be young? What does it look like? How does it function? I, uh, I have this uh, really great story. There's a, there was a young man who just got married, and it was Thanksgiving, and he was watching his wife prepare the roast. And what he noticed as his wife was preparing the roast is that she trimmed the ends. And I was thinking to himself, you know, I've only been married a few months. I've never seen my mom, you know, trim the ends of the roast. I'm sure it was a veggie roast, dinner <laughs> roast probably. And uh, he's like, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to make sure that she knows I love her and take care of her. Because I don't want to sound critical. It's a little early for that. So he was a smart man, right? Smart guy. So the next year rolls around, and he asks his wife, you know, I noticed that you did this last year, that you trimmed the ends of the roast. And, and uh, he asked her, why do you do that? You know what her answer was? Well, my mom did that. Yeah. So mom was there, but he's feeling like, you know, I'm still just getting to know my mother-in-law. I don't really know if right now is the time to ask this question. So uh, let me wait. Maybe next year, if this is still happening, I'll ask her. So Thanksgiving rolls around. He's feeling more comfortable with his mom, mother-in-law, and, and, uh, and he asks the mother-in-law, hey, so, you know, why is it, you know, I talked to my wife, she says that she trims it because you trim the, why is it that you guys trim the edges of the roast? You know what her answer was? Because my mother did it. So he thought, man, grandma's alive and well, I got I to gotta find out, but I'm still getting to know grandma, so I'm going to wait till next year, make sure she knows that I love her. I don't want to sound critical. So he waits till next year. Grandma's still around. And he asks her, Grandma, you know, my wife, she cuts the ends of the roast, and, and my mother-in-law, your daughter, she cuts the ends of the roast. So, and they both said, my mom, and, and so why, why do you cut the ends of the roast? Do you know what she says? No. She says, because I didn't have a pan that could fit the whole thing. I wonder how much of that we have happening in our church now. Right? We have these things that we do. We have these ways that we behave. We even have some of these things that we believe. And probably at some point in time, they made a whole lot of sense. It was practical. It was, it was relevant. In fact, it was even countercultural. 
But right now we're holding that line still, and all we can really say is, well, that's how we've always done it. That's how we've always been. So what does it mean for a church to act young? Practically speaking, theologically speaking, in terms of community, in terms of outreach, what does it what does it mean for a church to act young, prophetically speaking? I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to one of my favorite passages, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And while you're doing that, I'm, I'm actually going to go out on a limb right now. And uh, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask for a volunteer. You don't have to speak. You don't have to say anything. I'm going to ask for a volunteer. And uh, this volunteer, if you don't volunteer, I'm going to voluntold someone to come up. What I'm going to ask you to do is quite simply is to, is, to, is to write a personal story that makes you really happy. Something, some experience that happened in your life that brought a lot of joy to you. Do I have a volunteer who's willing to take a few moments to write this out? All right, I'm looking. I'm not seeing anybody raise any hands. And we are going to voluntold. Joe Francisco, you are the lucky winner. Come on up. Yeah, I'm calling you, bud. Yeah. Are you okay? I will love on you after today. Yeah, Joe, thank you. Joe, I I really appreciate it. Uh, This is going to be an exciting activity for you. Oh, here we go. Now, you you have one choice right now. And that's you can face them or you can face the curtain. What would be? Face you face them. Okay, so we're going to put you right here in the center. You have a seat. Okay, here we go. Oh, look at this. It's like we're back in school because I got to move your leg a little bit. There we go. Dude, nice shoes, man. What size are you? I'm loving those shoes. Now, Joe, I just want you to tell the people that you and I have not talked before no. this moment no. about this activity. No. This is not arranged. I'm going to owe Joe a lot of favors after today. So, Joe, here's a, here's a paper, a few pieces of paper. Here's a pen, okay? And all you have to do is really simple. You have a few minutes to do this, uh, seven, eight minutes probably, uh, maybe less because I see the clock and I'm getting hungry, is, is this, a personal story that uh, brought you a lot of joy, something that actually happened to you that just brings a smile to your face. Okay. Yeah? You got it? All right. Go ahead and get started. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Very simple. Do you know where that is in your Bible? Well, it's in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 2. Okay, it's not there. Not there. There it is. After Daniel, after Hosea. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It was our scripture reading earlier today. And it goes something like this. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Who's going to prophesy? Your sons and your daughters. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams, and I will pour out my spirit in those days. Here's my question. I think this unlocks for us the answer. I think, it's not my question, 
I think this unlocks the answer of what it means for us to function as a young church. Right here. Let's allow our young people to prophesy. Let's give them permission. Let's give them access. Let's give them uh, the weight, the, the presence to actually prophesy. Because that's right here. And did you know that the Adventist church actually believes the following about prophecy? It's right on our website. Let me read it for you. It says this. When it comes to the people we love, we want to keep in touch regardless of the distance. While Seventh-day Adventists believe prophecy is a prediction of what will happen in the future, I think we can all agree on that, we also know that it has to do with much more. It has to do with God's desire, deep desire to stay in contact with the people he loves, us. Throughout history, God used prophets to provide his beloved children with comfort, guidance, instruction, and correction. When they lost their way, he sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him. When they started to despair, he sent prophets to encourage. And when they needed someone to talk to, God listened and replied through his prophets. God's prophets are his messengers, appointed to speak his words. Our human nature made it impossible for God for us to, to made it impossible for us to see God face to face. But just because we have to keep our distance does not mean he must remain silent. Adventists believe prophecies are God's way of continuing his conversation with us. Now, one of the most discouraging things is that when I hear our young people prophesy, we give them a number of responses. Sometimes we laugh at them. Sometimes we say, huh, that's just way too political. Really? Caring about what happens to young children? That's too political for the Christian community? Caring about what happens between races, that's too political for the Christian community? Caring about how we treat older people, that's too political for the Christian community? Caring about what is fair and just and equitable, that's too political for the Christian community? One of the biggest gripes that keeps happening when our young people speak up, and here's Here's the thing. Since the church generally has not given them agency, has not given them a voice, has not given them a voice to speak to these issues and to bear a witness and to call people to change, the world has provided them a platform through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram, and they are calling the world to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with their God. I would love it, and I know you would too, if we gave them the same kind of agency to be that prophetic voice through the church. Because to be prophetic and to be honest and have integrity of our prophetic calling is to be more than just concerned with what happens in the future, but it's also to be concerned with the activity of what God is trying to do at this very moment. God calls us to speak to the world's needs right now. God calls us to do what is right for right now. Can we just, can we just let them talk? Can we just let them have voice in our presence? I think that would help us to stay young, but I'm going to show you in just a second here what 
oftentimes happens. Joe, did you finish your story? Okay, wow, four lines. This is a great story. There was no pressure on you. When I was 10 years old or so, which was like 10 years ago, I got to ride on a horse without a saddle for an hour or more. I felt very free and alone with nature. I crossed views of pastures, and the day was sunny and beautiful back home in the DR. What a day. That's a beautiful story. I think of the Dominican Republic, too, and I have wonderful thoughts. Now, um, Joe, I hate to tell you this, but this story doesn't really work. So I'm going to take my white out and that pen, and I'm just going to fix it for you. Okay, oh, that's my keys. Oh, here's the white out. Here we go. Um, you got to ride a horse. Yeah, we'll take this out. Uh, those kinds of details aren't really important. Um, you know, you felt free and alone with me. Well, that sounds a little bit kind of, you know. And uh, with nature, like I... Uh, yes, crossed views and... Well, that sounds like Psalm 23, so that's good. Um, and in the DR, well, you know, we're all, you know, we're all sons of God. Who cares if you're from the DR? Uh, what a day. Uh, and I'm going to add, what a day the Lord hath made. Because that sounds better. All right, here we go. When I was 10 years old, 10 years old or so, I got to ride on a horse. I crossed views and pastures, and the day was sunny and beautiful back home. What a day the Lord hath made. Which story do you like better? Fine. You like your story better. Why? This is my story. Because it's your story. It's your story. Mm -hmm. What right do I have to take your story away? You can try. But... I can try. But it's still your story. It's still my story. Yes. Hey, thank you, Joe. This is what we do with our young people today. We say, be who you are. But we got to edit it a little bit. We got to change some things here. We got to take some things out. We got to add some things in. And, and really what we're celebrating, we're celebrating that we want them to be just like us. Right? That's, that's essentially what we've done in a lot of ways. You may have not done it personally, but oftentimes, rather than allowing God to let his, you know what, we always think that Joel 2.28 is something that's happening in the future. What if Joel 2.28 is actually happening right now? What if our young people are actually prophesying right now? Are you listening? Does it matter? Is it impacting how we think, how we, how we pray, how we sing, how we vision for this space, for the ministry that we're doing? You know, I love having Pastor Sharon on our team because she's, she's one of the older members on our team, but she thinks young. She thinks so young. In fact, there has been a number of times 
when Pastor Sharon will say, hey guys, hold on, hold on just a second. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Every voice matters, she says. Every single voice matters. A hundred years old, two years old. Seventy years old, thirty years old. PhD, no degree. Man, woman, to every voice matters. We want to act young, then we have to embrace the possibility that God is speaking through many voices from places that perhaps we didn't even expect. I want to go back to that story in Luke chapter 2. Mary and Joseph had lost Jesus, and they say after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and at his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And the reality is, is that when we see some of our young people say some of the things that they say and do some of the things, we ask ourselves, why are you so lost? Mary and Joseph doing the same thing. Jesus, why are you lost? Why have you done this thing? Well, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And another version says, going about my father's business. I would love for us to function and operate in such a way that we wouldn't diminish any voice because of whatever age that they are, but rather that every voice and every story counts. Let's stop editorializing, writing things out, writing in our own things. Let's allow their voices, 15, 45, 70, 90, whatever, let's allow their voices, let's allow their stories to stand. Amen? Amen. I invite you to take your Connect card out again. And there's a couple of next steps in there, and I haven't done this before, and I'm doing it for the first time this fall. We've already went over the first two. Here's the last two. I am faculty or staff that wants to grow my heart for ministry to our students. We have faculty and staff that are members of this church, and they are doing amazing work with our students. How about we get together sometime this fall and think about how we can be more strategic and more intentional in winning and helping them win and helping their voices to be heard. I haven't set a date, but if you mark this box and you turn this card in, I will send you an email and let you know when we're going to get together. And finally, I recommit myself to having the heart of God. And God's heart, I hate to tell you, is young. It's dynamic. It's strong. It keeps going. And it doesn't matter how old you are, he can give you his heart. He can give you his heart. If you would mark that box, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then our deacons will stand and collect our connect cards and tithes and offering this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. I want to thank you for the testimony of every person here, every story here. Father, give us the humility. Give us the humility to receive every testimony and count it for your good work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.